Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Sean, a.k.a. The Lore Hunter. Um, so just a little bit of a backstory. This may take a little bit. Um, when I decided to put Don't Give Up Skeleton on a hiatus, my original plan was to have the Patreon keep going and to have that fund um, me interviewing older guests from the podcast and kind of a where-are-they-now situation. I have... Uh, since decided I'm going to shutter the Patreon and uh, I might put a couple of these out here and there, but I don't know. haven't really decided yet. Um, however, since in between those two things happening, uh, I did record this one episode with the sh- with Sean and it was fantastic. We talked about all kinds of interesting things, um, not specifically related to Dark Souls, but also kind of stuff about, you know, putting content out there and the pressures that that puts on people and, and things like that. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I have no planned recorded episodes i have nothing in the hopper so if something happens again it'll just show up on the the public feed on don't give up skeleton um thank you to all of the patrons that supported me while the patreon was going i really appreciate it uh and that's it thank you everybody for listening and i hope you enjoy the episode Sean, welcome back to Don't Give Up Skeleton. Thank you for having me back. It's It's been a while. <laughs> it, it's been like three years, man. <laughs> I know. It's, it's been which, way over three years. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but then I was like, I was like cataloging my life three years ago. And I was like, okay, so I had two less kids. <laughs> wow. One, one, one less condo. <laughs> like... <laughs> I was like, oh man, I had it, I had it easy back then. So <laughs> you, you don't got adult on us, my man. <laughs> I, I guess so. You know, I, I have to balance it out by uh, regularly talking about video games to sort of you know keep keep things even. I can't I can't be too responsible. Of course, of course, we don't we don't want you to ruin your reputation of being too too responsible. Even uh, though you know, even with this stuff, we turn it into a job, anyways. So, it's it's I mean. very very true. That's <laughs> it's actually something I want to talk to you about, um, but. First, I guess this is going to be the first uh, Don't Give Up Skeleton remastered or um, whatever I ended up calling it. I still haven't quite settled on a name. Um, But to the people out there that are listening, um, this will be patron exclusive. So if you're, you know, if you're hearing this, thank you very much for your support. I very much appreciate it. Um, And we're just going to kind of catch up with some of our old and favorite guests. So we're going to just kind of talk you know, about the things that have changed around from software and video games and us as people since the original episodes are recorded. Uh, Sean, you mentioned like turning this into a job three years ago. I started this podcast and I was like, I'm going to get like four or five recorded. So that way I have like a, a buffer and I did not have any idea what I was getting into. <laughs> like <laughs> as, as of now, I've put the public podcast on hiatus because scheduling people and Recording, editing, uploading, writing out social media stuff, publishing, all of that stuff. This was, it was too much, especially when I have other projects going. Mm -hmm. When I last talked to you, you were, Dark Souls 3 was kind of on the horizon. I think you were currently playing Dark Souls 3. Um, I think you got an early copy or something. I'm not sure quite how that, that, I don't remember what happened there, but I think, uh, I think I was one of the people who did the, uh, the Japanese version. That's what it was. You were playing. Yeah. yeah. You were playing on the three on the Xbox one. Now I remember, right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and at that time you were, you had several blogs um, going, you were compiling lore stuff from people all over the internet. Uh, you were moderating a Reddit subreddit <laughs> about dark souls mm-hmm. and bloodborne. Uh, talk about the stuff that you've been doing since. And more specifically, like, kind of dealing with that work-life balance and, and creating the, this kind of content and compiling this kind of content. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so three years ago, I has I was running the Lore Hunter, and then I had also started the Dark Souls version of the Lore Hunter, um, which is, as you mentioned, like collecting lore content. Uh, the Lore Hunter was uh, my start, and it was for Bloodborne. And uh I, I guess I guess in in the industry you might say I, I pivoted to video, which is a horrible <laughs> term. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah. So my, what I still, I still run the lore hunter. I, you know, it's, it's been going for five years now, now, which is crazy. Just about five years. And, um, I, you know, it's, it sort of exists there now as, is an archive, which is always intended to be. But, um, my, my main thing is, you know, I, I increasingly started doing, um, YouTube as a format and getting into, into videos and, um, you know, I, I can't, uh, I, the reasoning behind that was, is I really liked collecting this content that other people came up with and sharing that and sort of having a place for that to exist. And, um, then sort of, I guess a few years ago at this point, I decided I wanted to give people that stuff in another format. So, I I came up with a series that I almost completed <laughs> called uh, BL4 and Lore. And uh, I was taking everything from the Lore Hunter blog about Bloodborne and um, talking about it as I played through the game at, at, uh, at Blood Level 4. So like the, uh, the, uh, the one bro of Bloodborne. And I got all the way to uh, Orphan of Cause before I sort of, uh, I decided, you know, <laughs> I'm I've never been good at these games. Like Dark Souls 2 was, you know, um my my I was a magic build and uh you know that Dark Souls 1 as a magic build. Bloodborne was the first time I had to sort of confront people in melee and really get into it and I did it and so uh, BL4 was really interesting and I just at the end of the day I just don't think I have quite the uh, twitch reflexes for some of the very high tier bosses but it is pretty incredible how far you can push yourself by just spending uh, hundreds of attempts fighting a boss <laughs> which, <laughs> which got tedious but. that's interesting because I thought you would stall out on Ludwig because that's where I've seen people stall out the most on butt level 4 runs I, it's just not being able I to spent, get past the horsey boy yeah six months on Ludwig God. and he, he, he was sort of the beginning of the end. Cause uh, imagine doing like 10 runs a night, like on and off, like almost daily for six months. And that's basically what I did. Wow. I, I was just kept, I do, I do 10 runs overwrite my save from the cloud, go, go have fun for a little while. And uh, yeah, I just, that I, I love the Ludwig fight and um, that I process so. actually sort of, <laughs> <laughs> you know the process sort of solidified him as probably one of my favorites in the entire series just because i think he's like because one thing i really like about bl4 and sort of the reason i shifted toward bl4 and you know part of this discussion is when i really got into souls the main thrust was really lore and story like uh as i as i said in our original episode like i i gave up on dark souls and then i discovered bonfire side chat and twin humanities and they started talking about the story and all the character stuff going on with the world. And I sort of gave it a chance and really engaged with the series on that level. And that's why I started doing the lore hunter because it was kind of my main draw. But um, with BL4 started this trend of me becoming really interested in these games from like a design perspective and thinking about them like from the mechanics and just as a, as a thing. So it was really me sort of going outside of my, my typical and getting to know these bosses in a way where like, if you strip away uh, the ability to mess up <laughs> essentially, like how do these bosses function? And it made some really interesting discoveries. Like, like one, like um, the, the one reborn is a boss. I never really thought of like, it was a cool boss visually, but um, not really a problem, but in BL4, it's, it's just a pain in the ass. And that's because the boss gives you, almost unmitigatable like damage like you just kind of take ambient damage which which cuts into your ability to regen and you just can't fight it in that bl4 you end up having to really abuse the breakable limbs to be able to do that and so um sort of getting back to ludwig is you know he's he's a fight that i i thought was really hard and when i first played through i didn't i didn't love it but it was it was it wasn't bad for like a big beast which you know, sort of controversial for Bloodborne if you like it or dislike it. I've always kind of liked the beast, but sort of understood. It's more from a spectacle point of view. But Ludwig sort of taught me like, oh, there is an appropriate response to every move and you cannot get hit and you can do it 
pretty reliably, at least in the first phase. It starts to get pretty tough, but there's even ways in the next phase. And so that's sort of why he he arrived at one of my favorites is this because he's such an intricate dance. And sort of surprisingly, which may be something of a controversial statement, but Maria, actually not the best fight mechanically at BL4. She has some attacks and stuff that they're just not dialed in to necessarily be fair. Into you kind of have to take a little bit of damage. And so it doesn't mean that she's a bad fight, but it's just interesting to see when you get to that minutiae like how the design holds up in these games, which it was always a big pull to me was that you didn't have to level up that the game wasn't making you just waste your time. It was like having you like think through and respond to attacks. And so when you get on that level, it makes some bosses kind of shine and then it makes some bosses maybe like not quite as technically, technically like fun as you might think they would be. So that's, that's interesting, especially because um, here we are in 2019, years after Bloodborne came out and Sekiro comes out, and mm-hmm. um, Sekiro very much demands that kind of iterative gameplay um, mm-hmm. when it comes, especially to the bosses, right? Like, I think that's the main takeaway from that game is for a majority of people, you're going to have to practice and learn a moveset, and you're going to have to be almost pitch perfect every single time. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's really difficult, especially in the early game to recover from something. And I came out of Sekiro with a a very much a fondness for a lot of the bosses. Like I went through that game into new game four. I cleared out all of the bosses before going into new game five thinking, Oh, I'll just wait for the DLC, which I don't know why I did that. That's a terrible idea. Like new game (laughs) four Sekiro DLC, if it exists, is going to be a misery, but here I am. (laughs) Um, But you know, that, that iterating on a, on a single boss over and over with a limited kind of move set and limited tools to your, to your, at your disposal and then coming out of it, you know, liking the boss more, I think is something that FromSoft really excels at. And I think for some people it's actually, you know, I, I don't want to spend this much time with it, but if you kind of accept like, yeah, actually I'm, I'm going to do this and you come out of it, I think you appreciate the game design mechanics more uh, that way. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily to say one is better or one is worse or anything like that. Like, I think it's perfectly valid to just not care. Like you don't have to do blood level four, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just don't have to do that. How how would that how was that shift to video uh, that pivot to video, if you will? How did that work overall for you? Like, obviously, collecting stuff, putting up a blog is a a amount of work, and then collecting that mm-hmm. stuff, um, collecting footage, editing footage, doing voiceover, writing scripts. If you're doing that on top of actually playing the games, like that's a considerable more amount of effort. And I know you're a busy guy; you got a full time job and like 18 kids now i think if i'm <laughs> correct <laughs> um what was that what was that like what was that pivot like like was it overall was it worth it for you and is it is it something that you'll you think you'll keep doing for a while as we you know get into elden ring territory yeah yeah that, that's a good question because you know obviously with elden ring this is something i've been asking myself and i can sort of go through my process so i did my bl4 and lore and like you said like I thought I thought um the one that actually broke me was Lawrence. And the fact is is that Lawrence sucks. <laughs> like, yes. He's like I was trying to cheese his first phase. You do it by running back and forth and whacking him just once or twice. And you just keep you get him in down to like phase three or whatever it is, basically by cheesing it. And and then I would just die. So I'd spend like I'd I'd just spend like um, you know, maybe five minutes running back and forth, and I was just like this is fucking stupid. Like I'm like, you know, I'm doing this thing. I, I want to keep this project going, but it's boring and I just can't do it anymore. So, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been in a similar situation. Like I don't like dropping a project, but the fact was, is it wasn't fun anymore and I wasn't getting paid to do it. And, uh, you know, and I kind of regret not being able to talk about some of the cold lore stuff at the end of the game, but I just had to move on, you know, it was just, it was, it was time. And so then, you know, uh, Sekiro came up and I started, I, I, I sort of t- took a hiatus from doing video stuff and I with Sekiro being announced. I was like, Oh, I could do a lore blog, but I kind of don't want to, like, I'm not like, I'm not a good coding person. It's not something I'm interested in. My blogs have always been serviceable, but that's kind of where it ends. And also I was starting to get into the idea of like 
how I would do it because originally I would, you know, if it was something from Reddit, I would sort of copy paste, reformat, you know, to uh, link the original and, you know, it's fine with a blog um, doing that way, I guess. But I was also sort of feeling kind of weird about like taking people's stuff and just putting it there. I was doing it for good reasons, but at the end of the day, I still, it wasn't exactly fun work. And I was also like, wondering if it was just a little weird and you know i was posting up half of the stuff i was posting up was just video links anyways and while that was fun i wanted to try doing something else so i was thinking why don't i take my youtube channel that i've started and try doing a version of the lore hunter for sekiro and you know i decided to follow the development because as as my i sort of pivoted from being really interested in like existing in the world and like thinking about the lore and the theories and with bl4 sort of broadening my horizons i started to find that my interest really lied with uh these games like as a medium as a video game as like something that's created by people from software and sort of getting in their heads and just thinking where they're at with stuff because uh i'm i'm an architect professionally and so i, I design and it's just something I've always been interested in. And I wanted to explore that more. So with Sekiro, I made these pre-release videos, um, a series I called uh, Sekiro Far. And and I really got into following the interviews and all the information that was released and sort of looking at the individual aspects. And part of the reason I did the pre-release information was because I just do that naturally when a game comes out that I'm interested in. I make a little folder and I start putting links to interviews and stuff just because I, I find that like there's, especially with these games where they're really tight lipped, there's like a lot of rumors and stuff. And it's sometimes it's hard to find out what's like actually true. Like a good example is like, um, like the thing that got me into it was like, why did your character come to bloodborne? There was this thing like, Oh, your character is sick. So they came to bloodborne. Like you try finding a scrap of actual evidence of that being true, <laughs> like in any pre-release information. And it, I couldn't find it anymore. I swear I saw, but I couldn't find it. And um, just, and that got me thinking. And then with uh, Lance McDonald, Man Fight Dragon, his cut content videos, mm-hmm. which I think are amazing. And his work was also a huge catalyst for me being like, I want to track their development because I'm curious, because I know they make changes. And Lance's work makes it obvious that, you know, people like to think from software, like, just chisels out these perfect sculptures. But the truth is, is I think they're just really good idea people. Like they throw so many ideas at the wall. They see what sticks, but there's like so many like, and like, you know, they're, they're basically like, it's like trimming, trimming a, you know, a hedge or something. Like they're really you know, taking this wild thing and just like getting it down to what they have time for and what works. And I wanted to follow that for Sekiro. So I made pre-release content and that was really great. And, um, um, I should say it was really great in most ways. It was really fun making the videos and they were, they, they were my, they still are my most popular videos. Cause I, you know, people, I think people want to know what's happening pre-release and I provided some like, uh, like Vadi does that too. And obviously a lot more people are going to look at Vadi's stuff, but I was trying to make sure it was very factual and focused mostly on what people were like direct quotes from Miyazaki and, you know, Activision and, um, you know, Katow, just like direct primary sources. And uh, people seem to really like that. And I liked doing that. So I had an actual idea of where from was at and what they were trying to do with Sekiro. And that was great. And my, my ambition for Sekiro was to then collect uh, lore theories and make a whole bunch of videos and stuff. And Sekiro has been out for like three months now. And um, I haven't, I haven't done anything. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> is, is like, so Sekiro comes out. I've been waiting for this forever. I'm so excited. Um, my youngest starts getting teeth in. My job decides, hey, we're going to have you travel a bunch now. And, and I was just like, and I, I was trying to make all of this stuff work, raising three kids, having this job that now wants me to be out of town, play this game that, wants you to keep iterating on it and produce some content for it. And it just didn't happen. And I was like stressing myself out and um, it just didn't work. I, you know, I like um, I, 
for just generally in my life, um, I started seeing a, a therapist for stuff just because I have a high anxiety life and I'm a high anxiety person. And he was just like, the problem is, is you're trying to live like three people's lives right now. <laughs> and so I, I had to cut out something. It was obviously going to be the videos and it's kind of a bummer, but also I really liked making the pre-release content. So it's kind of funny with Elden Ring being announced because from, a, from being a fan of FromSoft, I was very excited, but there is sort of the unfortunate thing of, I also could feel that pull <laughs> like, okay, you're going to make some content now. And I was sort of hesitant about it, but my sort of strategy right now is to just chill out a little bit and I'm still going to make the same pre-release content because I really love doing it. But instead of collecting that stuff after the game comes out, I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to make any promises about what I'm going to do after, because I think when the game comes out, I'll just go play the game. And it's while, while I'm like, while there's no game to play and there's just some information to collect, it's totally fine. It's like I can do on a lunch break. And just sort of collect and then record when I, I don't have kids staying up late because they're getting teeth in or they're sick or they, you know, whatever, or I'm not traveling. So it's, it is, it is a tough thing. And I, the balance pretty much tells you like that I, I can't quite do what I wanted to do. And my, my, my eyes are definitely stomach with some of the Sekro stuff. But one thing that did work was the pre-release. So it, it is, it is, it is funny. Once I gave up, trying to do what I thought was sort of the way to go, which was to make a bunch of content after Sekiro. I immediately started enjoying playing games again. Like it was becoming a real chore. Like Sekiro was stressing me out because I was trying to capture footage and I had all these grand plans. And as soon as I like kind of let that go, I kind of could enjoy the games again. And, and like this way, like, you know, when you started playing Dark Souls and you weren't running a podcast and people didn't want to hear your opinion about stuff like you just kind of enjoyed it in kind of this pure way. Mm-hmm. And it sort of brought me back to that a little bit. So it's sort of, sort of been rambling, but it's been a bunch on my head for Elden Ring because, because yeah, it's like, I want to do the pre-release stuff, but um, it's just too much. YouTube is very stressful. My videos started getting like 20,000 plus views Damn like near son. the end when, mm-hmm. and, and you would think that's when I was really excited, but that was the most like, anxious i've ever been really? <laughs> and maybe it's maybe it's because work was ramping up and stuff but like i was i was now learning the lessons that i've heard from people like gary and stuff like don't read the comments <laughs> like because people people are gonna have opinions somehow about like people are gonna have opinions about you making a objective kind of factual based video about a game coming out you know, you're going to get those comments that are like, oh, you're a shill. You're trying to cash in. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, man, you really don't understand. Like, that was another thing is like, I've probably invested, I don't know, hundreds of dollars into recording mm-hmm. stuff. And I have, I can't even pull the money out of YouTube. People really don't understand. <laughs> like YouTube is such a garbage uh, income system that like, you know, even, even in my wildest dreams, like, for success, I would maybe do YouTube once a week because man, it just really does not pay out. I, I don't know. I'm always amazed by people who make it. I, I was, I was talking earlier, like uh Vadi had a, a kid at the beginning of the year. And I was just thinking to myself, I have three kids, but I was like, if I was Vadi, I would be up every single night wondering like when this bubble is going to burst, <laughs> you yeah, know? And, absolutely. You know, and if you can keep, sustaining this because i mean i have those own thoughts and i get i have like 1200 subscribers i don't have half a million or a million or and just and it's his his full-time job and you know i always think to myself like like you said it's been three years i've been running a blog for five years and from keeps coming out with these games that keep being a discussion but how long is that going to be something people are interested in and what i've really had to do is just come to terms with what I'm interested in kind of definitely like get back to that because I've always created stuff just because I'm interested in doing it. Like I'd be collecting the pre-release information regardless, but even that being said, once you get a whole bunch of views on a video and then your next video has like 10% of those views, it's hard not to feel like you did something worse. All what did I do wrong? Right. Like why, why don't they like me anymore when it's in reality, it's probably like somebody links you somewhere and it got a bunch of views and like maybe exactly. they didn't even watch that or, or whatever it is. But yeah, those, yeah. once those numbers start adding up, you start getting 
Mm-hmm. I know for me with, with various different projects, my, my YouTube stuff never went anywhere. Like I got, I have one video that's at like 40,000 views, but it's been that way for like five years. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but you, you would get, once you start getting just that little bit of exposure and you start seeing like those mm-hmm. comments come in and start seeing like strangers commenting on your stuff, because that yeah. was, that was always the weird thing of doing don't give up skeleton for so long was you know the the like not even advertising it so much just like putting it out there on twitter and like i think i have an instagram and facebook that i don't that i never I just stopped updating because who cares uh mm-hmm. but just getting random people be like oh hey i really enjoy this thing or have people you know send me comments like i can't believe this guest didn't know i couldn't remember sif's name and i'm like yeah you're missing the right. point of the podcast <laughs> like what are you doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it's yeah. it's it's stressful, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation where you, and and you start to, at least I do, I start to gamify the numbers quite a bit in my head. Like, you know, I would do a very complicated spreadsheet to show, you know, my daily, weekly, monthly numbers for each individual episode and all that stuff. And I was spending like an hour compiling all of this stuff, like manually basically and going like, what, why does this matter? Like what, what mm-hmm. I'm enjoying doing it <laughs> and like, it's not killing me to do it. So why, why even really look at this except just to, as an overview to say, Oh, this is, this is working. Like people are, are enjoying this, but I, I definitely mm-hmm. get it. Like that anxiety of going from, you know, I'm having a good time and posting this up and my friends are sharing it. And like, maybe it's getting some traction on Tumblr to, Oh, like 20,000 people looked, looked at this and they have opinions yeah. about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very yes. nerve wracking. Oh yeah. It's just cause yeah, it is crazy. And like I had mentioned previously, yeah, you get those 20,000 views. You think that'd be the best day ever. But like my wife had to take my phone away from me because she could just tell, like I was getting tons of comments like, this is a great video. You're doing great. Then there's one like, oh, you're a shill. And then there's one like, oh, what is wrong with your audio? Like for like the third time. And, you know, it's and it's a completely different opinion about why this thing is wrong in your video. And you're just like, you just had to put it away for a moment. And it's just so weird to like, you're kind of getting what you want, which is for people to enjoy it. But it's just, it's hard to enjoy it when there's just opinions. Exactly. Yeah. And YouTube is such a misery anyway, just in, just in general as a platform nowadays, like the last mm-hmm. three years have really proven that to be completely true. Oh, what yeah. was it? Um, I, I have like a policy with from software games now and that I, I very much try to avoid uh, a lot of like pre-release stuff. So with Sekiro, I'd watched a I watched the opening trailer and was like, okay, what is that? <laughs> that's that's nothing. Um, yep. <laughs> and then you know watched the some of the first gameplay trailers and then watched like they did they did like a ten minute demo I think about a year before the release or maybe six months before the release where they were sh- going through uh, that first area and showing off some of the mechanics and dodging around and stuff. And like the, I, I watched like half of that and was like, okay, like I, I'm just I'm going to play this. Like I don't need to see mm-hmm. any more. And I really enjoy that that amount of surprise, like seeing the guardian ape for the first time and having that reveal of like, I'm going to fight this gigantic ape. Holy crap. I didn't, I didn't expect that in this game was, is really important to me. Like I like that Um, for you as somebody who's collecting all of this information and anything you can get your hands on. Does it, does it affect your ability to enjoy the game or does it heighten it? Yeah, it's, I'm torn on that because so with bloodborne, I was all in, obviously, is when I was starting the lore hunter. I was I was in there like making up theories and, and doing whatever. And then with Dark Souls through three, I decided to go in pretty like blind to it. I decided not to do that. You know, I was I was playing through Dark Souls one, sort of projecting what maybe they could be putting in there, not having a clue just how relevant it actually was to play Dark Souls one versus Dark Souls two. <laughs> but um and the thing is, is when that came out, I did have those, I didn't have a clue about anything, which is good because uh, an important thing for anyone who might be getting into Elden Ring, Bandai Namco is back and they're super spoilery yes. with their marketing mm-hmm. and uh, they don't have any of the nuance of Activision, which is, I feel like saying, which something. is a pretty low bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, or, or Sony, you know, like Bloodborne, like those were handled. So like, I think I kind of got lucky, mm-hmm. but so with with Sekiro, just knowing about all of it, I it's it's tough because I feel like so like I saw Senpo Temple, like you like you said, I saw the Guardian Ape. Um I had an inclination that there was going to be like 
there was a time shift because I, I saw I saw an area in dark that was previously during the day. And so it, it's it's tough to know how I would have felt if I didn't see those things. But the sort of in with Elden Ring, I'm currently doing this calculation in my mind is like at what point do you kind of stop? Because there is some stuff like it would be kind of cool to not have seen Sempo at all just because yeah. it's a gorgeous place. And so, and I watched people play through enough of it that I kind of knew what to do. And, and that is, it's kind of a bummer. It's like, I like for me, like I do, I also like the surprise and especially for me, like you could probably tell me a plot point in the game and it wouldn't, and it, and it might, you know, it might, might feel spoilery to me, but especially with FromSoft, I feel like the visual, the visual impact is my biggest like occasional regret with this stuff is because like I'm like ah oh, I wish I had seen that in context for the first time, not seen it in a trailer you know exactly for, yeah. you know for mm-hmm. three seconds. So there is a little bit of that for me, but on the other hand, just with my with my life, like I get to like when I'm really pushing like you know, and my wife understands that I really like these games, and so Se- Sekiro comes out and I play pretty hard for a few weeks but still that's like maybe two or three hours a night if i'm lucky and then like i'm you know like i don't i don't have weekends really where like i was like because i watch my kids and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's like i'm maybe getting two or three hours a day but like after a few weeks my wife kind of gets tired of that you know because she wants to hang out she wants you know she and then you know and also i probably gotta catch up on bills do whatever stuff so so for me it's it's um it's sort of that I can't dive into the game super hard when the game comes out. Cause my life just doesn't. And I, you know, as we've talked about trying to lean into that stuff is just not sustainable for me. Mm-hmm. So it takes away some of the surprise, but at the same time, I really enjoy the conversations with people leading up to a game. And I've sort of gotten tired of the rampant speculation. Like I don't really like, that's part of the reason I do my pre-release stuff. I like talking about what FromSoft might do, where their heads are at, you know, why they're making this game. You know, like, like I think it'll be really interesting to see, like, oh, so they're re- so with Elden Ring, they're returning to dark fantasy RPG. What's that going to take the form of? Because clearly, with Bloodborne, even Dark Souls Three a little bit, then Sekiro, there was this iterative path. Whereas designers, they were exploring action games and they were sort of looking back into their history. They were doing the same thing with Deracine. Are they looking back toward Eternal Ring or something with with this? Or, you know, like I'm, those are going to be really fun discussions. And the way I can have those discussions is by following the interviews. I would like to not watch all the trailers, but I think for the videos and the content I want to make, I just will. I have yeah. a hard time not watching it too. And so it does it does hamper the experience just a little bit, but at the same time everybody blows past me once the game releases. I end up seeing it anyways. Uh, so okay. it's like so, yeah. Cuz tw- cuz Twitter is a hell site where- and nobody and everybody just posts <laughs> screenshots of every beautiful thing that they see in a game. <laughs> exactly. And like you know I was try I like following the lore stuff and it's like if I want to be part of those conversations, I'm probably going to get myself spoiled a little bit because it's one thing to be like, "Oh, I'm going to uh, I don't know who said this. I think it's Bonfire Sage. Like I could poop sock the game, you know. Yeah. Like, but you know, if I had a different life, but it takes me three or four weeks to get through one of these games if I'm playing way more than I should be, <laughs> like from a responsibility standpoint. So, like, I just for me, I've I can't just absorb the game in a vacuum, anyways, unless I want to be off of all sites for a month, and I don't want to. I like talking with people about these games. I think. I think talking about these games is kind of the best part about them in some ways for me is like, is like, I love talking about the design and sharing experiences and hearing people's stuff. So I just have to accept some of that. So I'm sort of okay drawing that out into pre-release too and getting the excitement. And luckily on the discord for, uh, for don't give up skeleton is like the best community for this stuff. It's a lot of very respectful, smart people are talking because you know not not to shit on the reddit discord but i had to leave that discord through sekiro because i got tired of the occasional 
racism, sexism. Sure. Yeah. The, the spoilers, like you know, it's just it's a big community with a lot of people, and uh, luckily I've you know this this community is small enough where you're not going to have such a wide range. You know, you know each other, and you kind of know where people are. At. To the point where I really loved it after after Sekiro come out, like people were very respectful about spoiler tagging stuff to the point where like you you would know when someone new came in, everybody's spoiler tagging everything again. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's just I I love that social interaction for these games, and I'm very excited that hopefully, if the reset era guy omnipotent is true and what he's saying, and he seems to be pretty on the ball with this stuff. I sort of believe that he's actually an insider of some kind that Elden Ring will have multiplayer again. And even though I've never been a multiplayer guy, it's interesting with Elden Ring coming up and also with Sekiro. Cause as I mentioned, I feel like from software, they're trying to explore their roots and they were talking about Tenshu and, you know, they started off Sekiro as sort of Tenshu and then it became its own thing, but they were still exploring, like, can we make an action game? And I really love, Sekiro like I would still probably classify it as like my fourth favorite game just because I can't like my 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 sort of ranking is roughly like Bloodborne Souls Demon Souls and I can't I can't break that like holy trinity as I sort of think of it as just because there's something about those games but that being said Sekiro is super good but it is funny how as soon as I beat Sekiro and it's an exhausting game to beat just because it requires so much of you it reminded me a lot of my BL4 stuff, actually. Mm-hmm. Is I wanted to get back into an RPG, really. I started playing The Witcher 3 finally. Like, you know, I finally got some traction with it. And, um, you know, then I was looking at, like, uh, you know, like Divinity Original Sin. Like, I started really hungering for some RPG stuff. So when they announced Elden Ring, which is kind of exhausting for them to announce an entirely new IP because it's so exciting. But they've never announced a completely new IP like back to back years. Yeah, and yeah. and so like they, it's kind of a dream in one hand because I think it works best with a new IP, a new world. But it is is it's exhausting on the one hand just because I put so much into these things. Like yeah, I like to do it, but it is it is a lot. But I'm so excited to do an RPG, which is funny because I never really cared what Sekiro did and then I was like okay Sekiro did it now and so it sort of took this <laughs> this curiosity because I remember us talking about how Bloodborne might be better as an action game I was I was gonna bring that up because uh, yeah. when I listened to that episode this morning I was I heard that and um I was thinking to myself like wow we got it like we we got this, <laughs> we got that game like we yeah. it's it's pretty much like I mean it's obviously not the same game or anything, but it's very much what I would talk about when I would start, when I would talk about removing stats from bloodborne and leaning more into the action side and whether or not that was successful. Like I think Sekiro is, is going to be one of these games that are, that is held up as an extremely great game, which it is. I don't think that you're going to see the very long tail that you, that bloodborne has had or that dark souls has had because there's not that yeah. opportunity for role play. There's not as much of an opportunity for challenge runs. There is no multiplayer. So there's no, you know, play with your friends or, you know, spend all night streaming yeah. invasions or, or whatever it is. So like, I don't think five years after Sekiro is out, you're going to see <clears throat> Lobos, for example, doing Sekiro runs anymore. Like, I think he's just going to move on unless something yeah, weird yeah. happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is, it is interesting thinking about yeah because i i think sekiro it kind of gave me what i was looking for and now i don't now i'm like okay so we did that now so i'm kind of glad to see them return to form i like how if they would like that phrasing but like dark fantasy is is aesthetically more my style mm-hmm. you know the, the dark fantasy stuff the vaguely european feeling whatever um is sort of my style. The The thing I am interested about is, and obviously they have George R. R. Martin coming in, which I will be really interested in from a pre-release and just following the development is what having somebody else sort of design your mythology will do for them. Cause I think like George R. R. Martin is a cool marketing thing and he does a really good job. So I know it'll be really high quality, but from my own interests, I'm kind of more interested just in the idea of them basically outsourcing a mythology and sort of, um, cause Miyazaki 
one of his like famous quotes is about him reading books as a kid and filling in the gaps and not quite understanding everything. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty cool for him to get to design a game in a world he didn't create. And, you know, I'm sure he knows all the stuff, you know, like I think one of the cool things about George R. R. Martin doing it is he's so he, he, he's, I, I, I assume that dude has every single thing he, planned out on a spreadsheet somewhere he doesn't seem like you know miyazaki to me feels more conceptual like he's not too worried about figuring out every detail and if it makes sense you know like he he's great at throwing out these really cool evocative ideas that really elicit these emotions but it'll be cool for them to work with like i assume a really well crafted g and then sort of do the dark souls thing too and sort of break it apart and make it confusing and, you know, like leave out some of the important facts. But, you know, the, the one thing I am curious about though, is um, I, I, with the trailer is I really like that trailer and it gives a tone, but I think, I think for me, I'm also very curious in the gameplay, but like thematically, it also feels very Dark Souls. <laughs> Dark Souls to me. Like Elden <laughs> Ring could be called First Flame almost. It's um, like, it's, it's funny. I was listening yeah. to Austin and Patrick do their E3 wrap-ups over on the Waypoint podcast. And um, Patrick Klepik and Austin Walker from Waypoint, I should say. Uh, and Patrick said that exact same thing. He's like, I, I watched that trailer and I just fully expected like Dark Souls four to pop up at the end, and like I, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like obviously it's a new world, and like they had, th- but it just like it the trailer doesn't really do anything. Like it's it's exciting because it's new, right? Like it's there's yeah. these new characters. Who are they? What is the Elden Ring? Why is that dude hammering? Why did they release art of a dude wearing human skin? Like there's it brings <laughs> yeah. up all the questions, but. Uh, Patrick mentioned this and I completely agree. It was the interview with Miyazaki that did more to excite me about Elden Ring than anything, mm-hmm. any visual that I saw because he talked about that collaboration with Martin and he said, you know, he said, I think there's the quote was sometimes I get very excited when I think about the possibilities mm-hmm. of this and, you know, just that genuine enthusiasm for the thing that he is making, I think is, is super exciting. And then also you get more details, you know, it's open world, which they haven't really done, or it's going to be yeah. from's take on open world, which I'm way more interested in. Like, I don't yeah. think I'm going to be climbing <laughs> a watchtower and revealing, you know, icons on a map, yeah. right? Like that's probably not going to happen. They've never done it. I mean, they've done stuff, yeah. but like, that's, I can't wait to see, like, that's the stuff that really gets me excited. And we talk about like preview versus, you know, play in the game. It's, like I'm in that phase right now where every single drip of Elden Ring information comes out. I'm going to eat it up. Then mm. probably sometime later this year, they're going to release a gameplay trailer and I'm going to watch that. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like give me a release date and I'm going to mute Elden Ring on Twitter and I don't want to know a single thing. And I'm going to leave the own, the channel in my own server so I don't get spoiled. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just one of those weird, cause I just, I just kind of want to go in on its own. And it's that, that thing that you mentioned, which was having, conversations with the community uh especially on release right like that's one of the most exciting times because nobody knows anything wikipedias aren't filled out the the weird from software stuff it it basically feels like anything is possible like what if we tried yeah. to do this oh wow what if we wore artorius's armor to go fight sif what would happen oh i don't know let's try it maybe we'll get another covenant mm-hmm. like it was that kind of stuff and i i just get so excited about about that and mm-hmm. a trailer can can do that like a trailer like the visual, you know, representation of these characters that they're going for are interesting. Like, you know, I mean, you show me what very much looks like a woman, like clipping on an armored arm. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I'm, but I'm into it. I'm, I'm down. Um, but actually hearing about the game really like makes me more excited about all of that mm-hmm. stuff. That's what I'm very interested in is, yeah, just, I want, like, I know they're going to make trailers and I'm going to have to watch them because I don't have any self. But I just want to hear Miyazaki give vague impressions of the development process because, yeah, I I love hearing that guy talk and think. And like like you said, that was the thing that sold me was Miyazaki being so excited because that's important for me because when I saw the trailer, I was like, that looks wicked cool. That lady's awesome. Like that guy is really big. And (laughs) so this is all Dark Souls. You know, the the narrator is saying some cool stuff. But is it going to feel... 
I hate to say, is it going to feel tired? Like, are we going to think we want Dark Souls again after going down this cool path to Sekiro just to find out, oh, I'm not really interested in hearing about cycles again and blah, blah, blah. Like, but hearing George R. R. Martin being into it, you know, and not really, you know, and him and Miyazaki sort of bouncing off each other, which sounds like some conversations I'd love to see a transcript of. Like, just that he's worked, Miyazaki's outlining the story. He's going to throw it to his team to write the dialogue in detail because uh, he said he's developing it similar to Sekiro and that's what he did for Sekiro. But so it seems really cool to me that like he, they get to work with this thing. And I just love to hear the excitement. And I hope, I hope we hear that they're really exploring some stuff they're really interested in. And, you know, cause you know, I hope none of it is like, well, this was going to be dark souls four, but then, George joined. You know? Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I don't want to hear that at all. Like, I, would, I, don't, I want to be like, yeah, we we have this world. There's a flame, and it keeps coming back somehow. Like, what, what's your take? What's your take, George? And George going from there. I, I don't want to see that at all. I want it to be completely fresh yeah. and new. And like, exactly. I I love from software making references to their past work. Like, I love to have a Moonlight Greatsword. Like when that showed up in Bloodborne, I was super excited mm-hmm. about it. Like, give me give me patches and you know Elden Ring. Like, I'll I'll take it all day long. I just especially after Dark Souls 3. And, you know, you were talking about poop socking the game, and it reminded me that when Dark Souls 3 came out, I was very heavy into Don't Give Up Skeleton, and I was still doing Dark Insight, and we were doing, like, spoiler cast and, like, wanting to make this content for people. And I feel like I didn't ruin Dark Souls 3, because I don't think you can really ruin a game like that, but I definitely did not take my time with it, and I I just rushed through it. And I, I feel like, especially with the D, when the DLCs came out and I did that, it really left a bad taste in my mouth. So mm-hmm. now when Sekiro came out, I was I was very careful. Like I took the day off work because I'm lucky enough that I'm I'm able to do something like that. So you know, Friday morning you get up and you can you know it's it it was pre-release or or whatever. Like I don't remember the the thing, but like took Friday off and like sat down and played it until I was got frustrated and then I quit and I went to something else and then like when I was ready I came back to it. But it was it was really important for me not to not to rush through that experience. Like it obviously takes Miyazaki and the team at From Software years to put this together. Untold amounts of, of man hours go into building these games. So to kind of rush through without looking at stuff and thinking about stuff, I think it does it a disservice almost. Yeah, it, it is. It is tough. I know, you know, I was doing the same thing to my, myself with, with, with Sekiro. Like I did, I did this just, so I started the game. I got a review copy and because i'm not same a day early <laughs> yeah i got it like literally the morning when streamers had already been doing it for like 24 hours because there wasn't a priority obviously yeah. but i'm like why even send a review copy the day before a game comes out but that's besides the point it happened to me for dark souls 3 and sekiro and i i'm not a, i don't even think i would ask unless i get really popular they'll just send me one or something mm-hmm. but um but yeah, like, so it's like I was playing the day and then I was trying to, originally I was going to record my blind playthrough. And so I had my setup going, I was doing my thing and I, I got the first 90 minutes and then I, I listened back to it and my audio was so quiet oh, and I, bummer. I, re, I restarted the game and tried doing it again. And then I said, screw this. I'm just going to record my impressions. And to this day, I have all my, my impressions recorded. But then I was trying to simultaneously release videos and do a little bit of editing. And it was just really taking the fun out of the experience. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like we, neither one of us do this as our job (laughs) and, (laughs) and we, we try to kind of make it our job because we really love these. And, um, and you know, there's, there's something fun about that, but if it sucks the fun out of the game, like what's 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 the point and it's hard to pull away from that yeah. because one of my toughest things was like i knew like if i had come out with some videos and done whatever for sekiro i think they would have done okay like i'm not saying they would have been great videos but i the audience was interested and i got plenty of people disappointed emailing me their disappointment that i didn't make videos to know there were some people who wanted these videos 
and hey, hey people was, out there, don't don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> that does nothing but make people that make stuff feel bad. Like you know, yeah. I, I I would love to see you do this. You know, is that a possibility? It, fine, but yeah. saying like, oh, I'm sad that this isn't out yet. Please don't do that to Sean or me or anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, yeah. Actually, when I announced for Elden Ring, I posted a little thing. I was like. Oh, sorry. I've been like quiet from Sekiro, but Elder Ring's coming out, and I sort of left it vague if I was going to make content because I don't want to hold. I don't want people being able to throw my words back at me. Yeah. But one of the comments on it was like, "You really got to follow through on that Sekiro stuff." And I was just like, "I don't have to follow through on shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could delete my YouTube and just walk away, but I don't want to. But you make me consider this possibility. But yeah, it, it it takes the fun out of all that stuff, and it's it is my my plan for Elden Ring is you know you know maybe you know similar to maybe what you have planned is like I'm just gonna enjoy it if it takes yeah. me a month like and there's people who do that which like I want to be the I want to be the CJs of the world he just loves a game or he doesn't <laughs> love a game and he just plays it and like I'm like that seems so much better than trying to do this thing which is cool. But if it's not working, it's it's just not working. And I've I've tried for Dark Souls three and Sekiro to release impressions, and I've learned I don't want to edit video when I want to play a game. Like there's people who do it, and that's that's awesome for them. I'm really impressed with their ability to be able to do it, especially if it's not their full time job. But I just have to take the hit and sort of walk away from the opportunity to turn it into a thing because. I, you know, as it turns out, the thing isn't what I want. I just want to have fun with games. <laughs> as it turns out, turning your hobbies into jobs is a bad idea. Um, yeah. And people tell you that all the time and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, but anyways, and then you go and do it. And then, and then you're like, oh yeah, no, they, they were, they were correct. I think it's real easy. Cause I know I've done this. Um, I get real, tra- get real trapped in my mind of thinking like, I I put requirements on myself for like release schedules or like a certain quality of content or, you know, I want to be, I want it all to do this and that and the other, like have all of these requirements that nobody is putting on me except me, right? Like nobody has ever told me, you know, don't give up skeleton needs to come out every Wednesday or else I'm going to riot. Like nobody's ever told me that, but like for years or probably for like a year, like getting that out was one of the most important parts of my day on Wednesday. And it's it's one of those things of like, am I actually like, is this fun? Like, I, I enjoy yeah. talking about the games and I enjoy releasing this stuff. I enjoy putting the discussions out there and it's given me a lot of opportunities. But like it's Saturday morning and I'm spending probably around two hours every every day um, on every Saturday or every Sunday recording and editing and uploading a podcast and i'm like man i'm not playing video games what happened to me actually playing dark souls like this is ridiculous and yeah so i I totally understand what you mean and it's it's a weird situation A, a question that i started asking people um at the end of don't give up skeleton episodes uh, a, a long time after we, you and i recorded the first episode you were on uh is kind of how dark souls has affected or impacted your life uh whether it's personally or you know as a as a person who plays games or, or, or whatever and obviously like all of this stuff that we've been talking about like this anxiety of wanting to put out stuff but afraid to get too popular and also like not liking some of the feedback you get is like obviously you you just mentioned earlier like you went to see a therapist and he's like no dude you got to make some changes like that's obviously very personally impactful looking out over the last you know 10 years basically that the the soul series has been going like is that overall impact on you a positive thing do you think yeah i I would i would say so because yeah it's it's almost it's almost hard to look back before and on the one hand talking about a video game so it feels a little silly but i'm going to resist that urge because the fact is is the video game was the catalyst for it. It was the catalyst that got me talking with you and Gary and, you know, just becoming part of this community. And like the game has had a, a huge impact on, on my life because of the social stuff. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm not a social person, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going out and this. I essentially I've had, I've had kids for a good portion of this and I'm busy and, being able to talk with people about dark souls and listen to don't give up skill. Like that's, that's why don't give up skeleton is such a good podcast is because it just, 
it something about the game in the community feeds into this thing that gets into people's actual lives and it's it's um and i i wouldn't i wouldn't take it back at all i wouldn't even you know making the stuff and leaning into it because it's just there's these things to talk about that i can't imagine what the last yeah like oh god like yeah 10 years of my life practically <laughs> would, would be like without that element there. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty startling to just even like try and figure out what I would do just because it was such a tipping point. Like, like I said, going back to the beginning was like, I, I, I was looking for, I was playing dark souls and I gave up and then I was looking for a podcast about it because when I'm into things, I look for a podcast about it. And then I found Bonfireside Chat, which led me to Duckfeed. And I mean, Duckfeed is, and all the sort of communities that have sprung up around and beside Duckfeed and all the, you know, all the adjacent stuff is basically a large portion of my, my social life, just because I'm not a social person in real life that mm-hmm. much. The, these conversations are, you know, and, and to find, because I also like, like finding like, really like-minded people, people who want to spend hours talking about these things that are kind of silly, but are kind of awesome. And, and uh, that, you know, and that's all because of dark souls drawing all these people in is like, you know, like we're from so many different places, but that's the thing that sort of like unites us together. And is always a thing to talk about. And it's, it's been, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a huge impact. And it's, it's funny thinking about, some of the memories too of it because it it didn't necessarily have to be dark souls but there's me wearing my daughter playing dark souls too listening to the majula music i think i talked about that in the first episode that was huge and um with my second daughter i was playing the bloodborne dlc she was tiny i was wearing her i beat ludwig wearing her <laughs> like i have that memory and 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 then with with my with my third daughter, I was playing Dark Souls Remastered, and I was sort of looking through this thing, and uh, you know, I have these just super fun memories of my wife had uh, Queer Eye up on the TV. I was playing Dark Souls Remastered, sort of looking back and forth, both wearing wearing her, and that's a super fun memory. And and so for me, like, I I have each of these. It just seems to align oddly enough that these things get released, and it could have been anything, but you know, so it it'll be interesting because I will not have a kid for eldering. <laughs> I, <you know, laughs> I refuse. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I think I'm like one short of being manis at this point, as far as daughters are concerned. But I completely refuse. So that'll be an interesting thing for release. But it it has these memories that I just like. Like uh, Danny O'Dwyer was talking about it. Yeah. That that guy had the nerve to like make me cry in my office. And it's like, I relate to it so hard. Like it's those memories that go totally beyond the game. And it'd be just for, you know, a lot of it is like struggling at this thing and also like struggling, but like with this person with you. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's just a really, a really fond memory that I just, I can't, I can't separate from, from the games. And yeah, I, I can't imagine anything replacing that at this point. It's just what it is now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that's extremely good. Like that's, that's the answer that you want to hear when you ask that question. I think, um, Sean, thank you so much again for, you know, volunteering some time and and chatting with me about some relatively personal issues. I I, I really appreciate that. Um, where on the internet can you be found if people don't already know? I mean, I know, but tell the people out there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a good place, uh, for, you know, to kind of catch everything would be at, on Twitter at the lore hunter is where I post up all the stuff I'm doing opinions, thoughts on whatever I'm currently playing, just talking media, doing whatever. And then, uh, of YouTube is also the lore hunter. You can find me there. If you, if you're interested in the Sekiro stuff, cause the Sekiro pre-release stuff was always intended to be something people could look back on to see like, Oh, this, this is what people thought the game was going to be like. So I sort of made it with that in mind. So if you're interested in sort of all the pre-release information for Sekiro, you can look up Sekiro so far and it'll show up 
I'm pretty sure I've searched it to see if it would actually show up. Um, so, and then I'm hopefully going to be making some stuff for Elden Ring at a more probably relaxed pace because I'm playing The Witcher 3 and I, I just don't want to let go as much time as I could <laughs> <laughs> to doing pre-release information when I could be exploring exploring with Geralt. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming back on and uh, revisiting your, your thoughts on Dark Souls and related to yeah. games. Yeah, uh, that was great. Thank you. This is the first one of these I've recorded, so I don't really have a like a good outro. <laughs> but uh, <Yeah. laughs> if you're if you're listening to this, you're a supporter, so thank you very very much. Um, I don't really have any places for you to go. If you're already here, you pretty much know where to find me. So um, thank you again, and uh, yeah, we'll probably be back again. And just remember, don't give up, skeleton. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, that was great. Really like, like, and, and this sort of stuff means so much to my work. Like,